White House Coke, rigged elections, and body parts for sale to the highest bidder. All that more coming up on tonight's show. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Thursday. Kind of a middle of the not quite Friday, not quite hump day, but it's all right. Tomorrow's Friday, so, you know, we got that to look forward to. All right. We got lots going on tonight. Really lots going on. And we'll get further in our book, 1984. I know I was not here last night. My apologies. Had a lot of stuff going on and uh, just could not make the show. So we try not to do that, but occasionally it happens. So, All right. Let's get you updated on our favorite furry little female friend. That's Miko and the Miko update. There we go. She's doing great. In fact, tonight... <laughs> Have I got sound on this? I think so. This is her getting ready or being asked if she's ready to go for a walk. Check this out. Would you like to go for a walk? That's my Miko voice. You want to go for a walk? Yeah. Ready for a walk? Are you ready? Are you ready? You want to go? <laughs> yes? Yes? You're so excited? You want to go? Huh? Yes. Walk time. Walk time. Walk time. And she's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, sometimes she will jump and race around and do zoomies too. But uh, yeah, she's uh, <laughs> she's ready for a walk and her favorite practically your favorite time of day. Our Miko update brought to you by BarkBox.com slash Miko. Mm, look, if you're looking for something special for your dog, and your dog deserves something special, doesn't it? Of course. Check out BarkBox.com slash Miko. With that link, you'll get a free month with a multi-month subscription. Every month delivered right to your house is a box full of goodies for your dog. Two toys, two dog treat bags of dog treats and a dog chew all right there and fantastic stuff these folks are so good they have a 100 percent happiness guarantee if you're ever not happy with anything just let them know they'll make it right barkbox.com slash miko will get you a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription with barkbox thank you barkbox all right get right into it the White House cocaine. Yep, I told you we're not giving up on this story. I know it's going to try and go away. They're going to let it go through the news cycle, and then everyone will forget about it. We're not forgetting about it. Neither are we forgetting about Obama's chef. We haven't heard anything yet. They haven't updated anything, but we're keeping an eye on it. Well, the New York Post today, the White House cocaine may have belonged to someone in the Biden family orbit. I told you there is no way that little bag of cocaine could have gotten in to the White House without having gone through uh, somebody who didn't go through the security checkpoints, or it would have been found. A bag of cocaine found in the West Wing last month reportedly may have, may have, may have belonged to someone in the Biden family orbit. The president allegedly knows who it is. Hmm. Soldier of Fortune publisher Susan Katz made the shocking claim. She cited three security sources in a report published on Sunday, even texting a number linked to President Biden in a bid to sniff out the culprit. The Post has not been able to independently confirm the social, uh, Soldier of Fortune report. Secret Service has vehemently denied it. According to Keating, the Secret Service publicly announced they'd close the investigation without identifying a suspect. Yeah, all right. Due to a lack of physical evidence. Authorities able to follow through enough to clues to come up with a name and were confident enough in their detective work that they supposedly informed the president. If you want the name, ask Joe Biden. <laughs> One source told Keating, he knows who it is. It was someone within the Biden family orbit, and it wasn't Hunter. Hmm. Second source, referring to the president's adult son, admitted covering uh, the admitted recovering drug addict. There's the text. Very interesting. Uh, she then said she added a leaked a text to number provided by the White House, purportedly to send Biden SMS messages, and asked point blank. 
She says, three trusted sources tell me the Secret Service gave you the name of the person who brought the cocaine into the executive mansion. Is this true? And if so, can you please confirm the name? The message bounced back with the label, not delivered. <laughs> no surprise there. Last uh, July, the White House announced Biden had joined Community, a text message system in which celebrities can communicate with ordinary folks, if they want to, apparently. <laughs> the White House did not respond to a request for comment. So, somebody in the Biden orbit, they say. Who could that be? Hunter's supplier? Probably. All right. Election scam. Yeah, I know, but it keeps going because people are not giving up, and thank God for that. This is incredible. From the Gateway Pundit, and according to the Gateway Pundit's Twitter account, or X account, I should say, uh, there is more and bigger news coming. They've got more details on more stories coming up. You guys are going to want to follow the Gateway Pundit because they are a source of some spectacular breaking news. We now have proof. Massive 2020 voter fraud uncovered in Michigan, a key state, including an estimated 800,000 ballot applications sent to non-qualified voters, bags of prepaid gift cards, guns with silencers, burner phones, and a Democrat-funded organization with multiple temporary facilities in several states. Yeah. Thanks to Phil O'Halloran and Lori Skibo for their contributions and assistance with the story from the Gateway Pundit, two election integrity activists obtained a copy of the state police report and began investigating this story in June. Now chairman of the Michigan Republican Party's Election Integrity Committee and Lori, uh, the director of the Michigan GOP's Poll Challenger Program, brought it to the Gateway Pundit's attention and are assisting with uh, researching in the story. One month before the 2020 general election, October 2020, Muskegon, Michigan City Clerk Ann Meesh noticed a black female, whose name was redacted from the police report, dropping off between 8,000 and 10,000 completed voter registration applications at the city clerk's office. Uh, police department contacted, asked to investigate. First Lieutenant Mike Anderson contacted by Tom Fabus, Chief Investigations from Michigan's Attorney General's office. According to the uh, Mich Michigan State Police report, they asked for Michigan State Police assistance with a joint investigation of alleged voter fraud being conducted by the Muskegon Police Department and the AG's office. An investigative task force formed and an investigation initiated. The actual Michigan State Police report is right there. The clerk became suspicious when this female hand-delivered thousands, up to 10,000 voter registrations, many of them in the same handwriting. Yeah. Meese stated, in her opinion, a quantity of the voter registration forms were highly suspicious and possibly fraudulent. Misha's opinion, based on the fact that a bunch of forms appeared to have been completed by the same writer, and upon initial examination, addresses on multiple forms were either invalid or non-existent. Later in the report, the name of the uh, female suspect was unredacted. The investigator for the state police assigned to the case spoke with the female suspect, who explained that she was being paid 1150 bucks a week, a week, to find unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they can get registered to vote and obtain their absentee ballot. 
The only problem is the handwriting on the voter registrations was the same on many of the registrations and addresses on many were either non-existent or they were fake. So, for those of you who keep saying, stop talking about the 2020 election being rigged. It wasn't rigged. Well, you want the proof? There's some more. It's out there all the time. Hey, I'm thinking I should probably stop calling Joe Biden a rotten, rotting bag of flesh. Because the next thing I know, six o'clock in the morning, the FBI is going to show up at my door. Although they probably won't, because I live far enough away from any uh, FBI office that, you know, I'm probably safe. Anyway, I don't know if you heard this tragic story. It just happened, but it is unbelievable. Craig Robertson shot and killed during an FBI raid early Wednesday morning. Man killed during FBI raid in connection with threats against Biden and other officials. A Utah man shot and killed during an FBI raid early Wednesday morning, confirmed by ABC News. The raid in connection with an investigation into alleged threats against President Biden and others. Now, why wasn't the Secret Service investigating this as opposed to the FBI? I don't know, and no one's asked that question. One of the officials said the investigation began in April. Ah, it says the Secret Service was notified by the FBI in June. In addition to threatening posts, the official said the man under investigation suggested online he was making plans to take physical action. The threats had been deemed credible, the official said. FBI in Salt Lake City said the shooting occurred around 6.15 a.m. local time while special agents attempted to serve arrest and search, search warrants in uh, Provo, Utah. The FBI takes all shooting incidents involving our agents and task force members seriously. In accordance with the FBI policy, the shooting incident is under review. The deceased suspect, Craig Robertson, according to multiple, multiple sources, and a federal complaint obtained by ABC News. That is Mr. Robinson. Includes numerous social media posts in this complaint made by Robinson threatening to kill Biden, VP Harris, as well as other officials. Okay, fine. Investigate. But this guy, who is 70-something, 80-something years old, asleep in his bed, 6 o'clock in the morning, the FBI crashes a vehicle into his house and people start breaking his door down with guns. Suddenly, my door breaks down at 6 o'clock in the morning. I think the first thing I'm going to do is reach for my licensed, fully legal handgun to defend myself. Wouldn't you? Suddenly, you hear your door bust open at 6 o'clock in the morning while you're sleeping. What's the first thing you're going to do? Yeah. Well, that's apparently what this guy did, and they shot him. Dead. DRT, as we used to say, dead right there. No warning, no nothing. I don't know the details. I'm not going to get totally into it. But honestly, I'd have likely done the same thing. You don't know who's busting down your front door. All right, from Reuters, this story is very, very disturbing. An ex-Harvard morgue manager has been indicted for trafficking in human body parts. Unbelievable. The former morgue manager at Harvard Medical School was among five people who've been indicted by a grand jury Wednesday, yesterday, over allegations they stole and sold body parts from cadavers donated to Harvard, according to federal prosecutors. Cedric Lodge, who's 55, fired from his job May 6th 
and other defendants accused of carrying out a black market body parts scheme. From 2018 to 2022, U.S. Attorney's Office, Middle District, Pennsylvania, said in a statement, one of the defendants lived, lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania. They say Lodge, who was hired by Harvard in Boston in 95, would at times let potential buyers into the school's morgue to examine cadavers and select which parts of the bodies they wanted to buy. A sixth person previously charged in Arkansas, same investigation, suspicion of stealing body parts from a mortuary she worked for. Unbelievable. Not immediately clear if Lodge was arrested by the FBI Wednesday, citing the FBI or other sources indicated who includes Lodge's wife. The FBI didn't immediately respond for requests for comments. Some crimes defy understanding. The theft and trafficking of human remains strikes at the very essence of what makes us human. People whose body parts were sold had volunteered that their remains be given to medical science. The Harvard Medical School fully cooperated with the investigation. The uh, dean of the Harvard Faculty of Medicine said, we are appalled to learn something so disturbing could be happening at our campus. You know, it's a disturbing story no matter what. I mean, it's just freaky weird that these people were selling body parts, inviting people in to see if they wanted to... Uh, they wanted to buy something or you know you want a part of something a head a hand a couple legs torso my question is who's buying the stuff it's bad enough somebody's selling it who the hell is buying it well believe it or not people were buying it to make dolls and leather from human skin for sale on the market. This is a report. There's audio here. But this is just beyond freaky. Take a listen. Man has been buying human body parts, and if you think that's weird, hold on tight. This story gets worse. A Harvard morgue manager has been selling those body parts to him from donated bodies. An estimated 20,000 people donate their bodies to science every year. Cedric Lodge here was a morgue manager and worked with his wife and two others to profit off this. One of which opened a store that specialized in quote, creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art. They posted on Instagram, if you're in the market for human bones, hit me up. Holly here was a big buyer at this store, so, what was he doing with all those body parts? Well, he was making leather, but he was picky with his bodies. The morgue manager would let Polly into the Harvard Medical School morgue so he could pick which bodies he wanted to buy. The guy's name is Cedric Lodge, and he and his wife were accused of stealing heads, brains, bones, skin, and other remains and taking them to their home in New Hampshire. And from that point, he would put them up online to sell them. Who do you think the buyer would be for these remains? Maybe it's for life-saving procedures or underground research? It's so bad. It's so bad. They were selling them to oddity shops who were bedazzling them and selling them on the internet. One of these stores was run by Katrina McLean. She runs Cat's Creepy Creations, and she was already being investigated by the FBI earlier this year for doing this. The official report said that the morgue director would let her come into the morgue and pick which person she wanted remains from, and then she would flip them and sell them at flea markets. Like this is a real person who donated their body to science. And people weren't even hiding this. Like look at this person who PayPal's the director for head number seven and brains. This is just a nice reminder that there's no such thing as the ethical sourcing of human remains. Hmm. How true is that? Okay, I mean, just... So, first of all, they're selling the body parts to these freaks who are making leather and art out of them. And then the third step from that is someone out there actually is interested in buying these things. 
I, I got no more. I, we, we are living in evil, evil times. Unbelievable. I put the next post up there, by the way, in our list of all the stuff we're talking about tonight. It's another story about Michigan, but it's from D.C. Drano, and he covers all of the details about this. It's a Twitter post. You'll see it here. But uh, he got... It's just he got into all the details and all the mud and slime and swampy stuff. Do check this out. I wanted you to see this. I wanted to see exactly what DC Drano had written. It, the link is there. Check it out and uh, find out more about this uh, Michigan vote rigging bullcrap because it it just doesn't get any. It just doesn't get much worse actually. All right, what else we got going on here tonight? We got lots going on. Uh. This is from, again, this is another uh, Twitter post. <laughs> you know, having been in law enforcement, I am a big defender of law enforcement. I'm behind them all the way. But when they screw up, they screw up. And I'm not above or beyond mentioning that, too. And this is just wrong. When I first saw this video, this is a tweet, Tweeted by who? Insane Reality Leaks. At Insane Realities on Twitter. Follow them. Give them a follow. Hat tip to them. When I first saw this, I thought, oh, here we go. It's going to be another one of those, you know, you can't arrest me, I'm somebody important videos. Well, it kind of is that. But it didn't turn out the way I thought. Watch. Sir, go back into your car. I'll be with you in a second. You better check the registration on this plate soon, mister. Have a good day, Judge. You bet. Hmm? Have a good day, Judge. There must have been a valid reason why he pulled him over. And let him go simply because he's a judge. I hope somebody investigates that cop because he is due for a big time investigation. That just, that's just wrong. I don't care who you are. You get pulled over. You face the consequences. I'm a judge. <laughs> uh, we talked. Uh, we talked at length about Michigan and their voter scam. Well, guess what? More news from uh, the American Hubiner uh, X post. And uh, <laughs> wow, these numbers are frightening. If you're interested in exactly how this whole voter fraud stolen election happened here's more easy when nobody's held accountable to the law hundreds of thousands of illegally cast ballots were counted anyway take a look at this from georgia 2500 felons 66000 over underage ballots 2400 not registered 1000 pob don't know what that place of birth Almost 5,000 expired. Over 10,000 dead. 395 cast out of state. 15,700 change of address. Over 40,000 properly registered. 143,835 votes. Georgia courts two years refused the people access to paper ballots or ballot envelopes uh, then Colby supervisors refused to hand them over Georgia Senate refused to subpoena 2020 paper ballots like the Arizona Senate did no signature match voter rolls take a listen from 1,506 felons voted illegally in Georgia 66,248 underage and therefore ineligible people to illegally register to vote 
before their 17th birthday when the law requires 17 and a half years old. At least 2,423 individuals to vote who were not listed as registered. 1,043 individuals to cast ballots who had illegally registered to vote using a post office box. 4,926 individuals voted in Georgia who had registered to vote after their Georgia voter registration date, thereby canceling their Georgia voter registration. 10,315 or more individuals to vote who are deceased by the time of the election. 395 individuals to vote in Georgia who had cast ballots in another state which is illegal in both states. 15,700 individuals to vote in Georgia who had filed a national change of address with the United States Postal Service prior to November 3rd, 2020. 40,279 individuals to vote who had moved across county lines at least 30 days prior to election day and who had failed to properly re-register to vote in their new county after moving, also in violation of Georgia law. Unbelievable. Un-be-freaking-leavable. How many did we just tell you about in Michigan? Over 140,000 now in Georgia? So the next time one of your little liberal leftist freaky communist friends say, and oh, the 2020 election wasn't rigged, it was all okay, yeah, mm -hmm. play them that little bit. All right, uh, we got a couple more here to go, and they're all fun ones. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit because it's been a very heavy show tonight. <laughs> I found what you can get me for Christmas or my birthday or the just because it's August 10th day. <laughs> I want the scorpion. I want to do my show from the scorpion. What is that? It's from Cluvins. It is a, as much a piece of artwork as it is multifunctional. Now, I don't game, okay? I'm not a gamer. But that's okay. You see this? This scorpion? This is a gaming chair. Take a look at what this does. Look at this. How cool is that? Look at that. Look at the monitors. This is insane. Got your chair, all the all the comforts, all your monitors, your keypad, everything, your mouse is right there. That is way too cool. <laughs> so, uh you can you can buy me that for uh you know, Christmas or New Year or August eighth or August tenth uh gift if you want. Yeah. I'd be happy to accept that. You might want to check out, though, the website before you agree to buy the chair for me. You'll see the reason why I'm not buying the chair. Uh, this website, by the way, takes forever to load. I don't know why. It can't be that busy, but the site actually takes forever. I'm trying to load it up for you now so you can take a look and see. There you go. There's the Scorpion Computer Cockpit. And its retail is only $3,799 USD. And that's a $200 discount. <laughs> oh, man, are you kidding me? Uh, did it come with more than three? Oh, let's go to five screens. Now it's, now it's four grand. Uh, one ten. Nope. I need. Uh, I need two twenty. Okay. And black or white? Now I definitely have to go with black if it's a scorpion. Okay. So there you go. Final price, four thousand bucks. Which in my money would be about twelve or thirteen thousand. Yeah. Uh, cool as it is. Sorry, not this week. Oh man. Unbelievable. Hey, check out our merchandise, by the way. The Jay Sheldon show you can get. I know it's all burned on this camera, but mm, that is good coffee. And that's because that 
is Blackout Coffee. They are one of our sponsors. And folks, do yourself a favor. Get rid of that brown crap you've been drinking. If you're tired of the same old monotonous garbage liberal brands you drink your coffee from, get rid of them. Go with Blackout Coffee. They are a coffee company that not only makes great coffee, but they support our troops, our first responders. This is an American company through and through, uh, and it supports this country and all that it stands for. There is even, look, a Dan Bongino blend. There's other blends too, but they do have one for Dan Bongino. I have been a coffee drinker all my life. I drink four or five, sometimes six cups of coffee a day. I know it's a bit over the top, but that's just that's just the way I roll. And blackout coffee, unbelievably good. Probably the best coffee I think I've ever had. Absolutely delicious, a real bold coffee flavor. Uh, 100% committed this company to making good coffee and our conservative American values. They source the beans locally. They deal with all local suppliers. Blackout Coffee is a 100% American company. And like I said, they support the troops, our first responders. Uh, From sourcing the beans, a roasting process, customer support, shipping, they've got an incredible work ethic, and they are dedicated to promoting conservative values and principles. They accept no compromise on quality when it comes to good coffee and taste, I just cannot recommend this company enough. You really have to try. Give them, give them a try. Buy one bag. That's all you need to do. Just grab a bag of beans, get it delivered fresh to your door, fresh roasted to your door, and check them out. You'll be back for more. And if you want, you can use our link in the show notes. You will wind up getting yourself a 20% discount off your first order with promo code J20. J-A-Y-20 will get you that 20% off your first order. The link is in our show notes. It's the top link there. You can't miss it. Do check them out. Pick up a bag of beans. You'll be back for more because this is just an amazing cup of coffee from an amazing American company. Check them out. And thank you so much for uh, helping to support the show. Blackout Coffee. Love these guys. They're great. They really are. All right. It's time to move on to our book. We read books on this show. We started doing uh, children's classic literature, The Wizard of Oz, The Jungle Book, uh, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince. And uh, someone suggested, one of our viewers, that we uh, do 1984 because we're living in it. And boy, he was right. I'd never read 1984 before, I strangely enough. I think I would have, but I hadn't. And so I am discovering this book with you as we read along. We're almost done. We're getting very, very close to the end. And uh, it's coming up. It's been an interesting ride. You know, on our last uh, show, we were halfway through this uh, this chapter in which uh, Winston has this wire head cage filled with a couple of rats attached to him and things are getting very very bad let's continue on now with george orwell's 1984 it was a common punishment in imperial china said o'brien as dictatedly as as ever the mask was closing on his face the wire brushed his cheek and then no it was not relief only hope a tiny fragment of hope. Too late, perhaps, too late. But he'd suddenly understood that in the whole world there was just one person to whom he could transfer his punishment, one body that he could thrust between himself and the rats. And he was shouting frantically over and over, Do it to Julia! Do it to Julia! Not me! Julia! I don't care what you do to her. Tear her face off. Strip off her. Strip her to the bones. Not me. Julia. Not me. He was falling backwards into enormous depths away from the rats. He was still strapped into the chair, but he'd fallen through the floor, through the walls of the building, through the earth, through the oceans, through the atmosphere, into outer space into the gulfs between the stars, always away, away, away from the rats. He was light years distance, but O'Brien was still standing at his side. There was still the cold touch of the wire against his cheek. 
but through the darkness that enveloped him, he heard another metallic click and knew that the cage door had clicked shut and not open. Chapter 23 The chestnut tree was almost empty. A ray of sunshine slanting through a window fell on a dusty tabletop. It was a lonely hour of fifteen. A tinny music trickled from the telescreens. Winston sat in his usual corner, glazing, gazing into an empty glass. Now and again he glanced up at a vast face which eyed him from the opposite wall. Big Brother is watching you, the captain said. Unbidden, a waiter came and filled his glass up with victory gin, shaking it into a few drops from another bottle with a quill through the cork. It was saccharine, flavored with cloves, a specialty of the cafe. Winston was listening to the telescreens. At present, only music was coming out of it, but there was a possibility that at any moment there might be a special bulletin from the Ministry of Peace. The news from the African front was disquieting in the extreme. On and off, he'd been worrying about it all day. The Eurasian army, Oceania was at war with Eurasia. Oceania had always been at war with Eurasia. Was moving southward at terrifying speed. The midday bulletin hadn't mentioned any definite area, but it was probably that already of the month in the Congo was battlefield. Brazzaville, Leopoldville were in danger. One didn't have to look at the map to see what it meant. It was not merely a question of losing Central Africa. For the first time in the whole war, the territory of Oceania itself was menaced. A violent emotion, not fear exactly, was sort of indifferentiated excitement flared up in him, then faded again. He stopped thinking about the war. In these days, he could never fix his mind on one subject for more than a few moments at a time. He picked up his glass and drained it at a gulp. As always, the gym made him shudder, even wretch slightly. The stuff was horrible. The cloves and saccharin themselves, disgusting enough in their sickly way, could not disguise the flat, oily smell. And what was worst of all was that the smell of gin, which dwelt with him night and day, was inextricably mixed up in his mind with the smell of those he never named them, even in his thoughts. And so far as it was possible, he never visualized them. They were something he was half aware of, hovering close to his face, a smell clung to his nostrils. As the gin rose in him, he belched through purple lips. He'd grown fatter since they released him, and had regained his old color, indeed more than regained it. His features had thickened. The skin on his nose and cheekbones were coarsely red. Even the bald scalp was a deep pink. A waiter, again unbidden, brought the chessboard and the current issue of the Times, with the page turned down at the chest problem. Then, seeing that Winston's glass was empty, he brought the gin bottle and filled it. There was no need to give orders. They knew his habits. The chessboard was always waiting for him. His corner table always reserved. Even when the place was full, he had it to himself. Since nobody cared to be seen sitting too close to him. He never even bothered to count his drinks. At regular intervals, they presented him with a dirty slip of paper, which they said was the bill, but he had the impression that they'd always undercharged him. It would have made no difference if he'd been the other way about. He had always plenty of money nowadays. He even had a job, a sincere more highly paid than his old job had been. The music from the telescreen stopped, and a voice took over. Winston raised his head to listen. No bulletins from the front, however. It was merely a brief announcement from the Ministry of Plenty. 
In the preceding quarter, it appeared the 10th three-year plan quota for bootlaces had been overfulfilled by 98%. He examined the chess problems, set out the pieces. It was a tricky ending involving a couple of knights. White to play and mate in two moves. Winston looked at the portrait of Big Brother. Well, white always mates, he thought, with a sort of cloudy mysticism. Always, without exception, it was so arranged. In no chess problem since the beginning of the world has black ever won. Did it not symbolize the eternal, unvarying triumph of good over evil? The huge face gazed back at him, full of calm power. White always mates. The voice from the telescreen paused and added a different and much graver tone. You are warned to stand by for an important announcement at 15.30. 15.30. This is news of the highest importance. Take care not to miss it. 15.30. And the tinking music struck up again. Winston Hart stirred. That was the bulletin from the front. Instinct told him it was bad news that was coming. All day, with little spurts of excitement, the thought of smashing defeat in Africa had been in and out of his mind. He seemed actually to see the Eurasian army swarming across the never-broken frontier and pouring down the tip of Africa like a column of ants. Why had it not been possible to outflank them in some way? The outline of the West African coast stood out vividly in his mind. He picked up the white knight and moved it across the chessboard. There was the proper spot. Even while he saw the black horde racing southward, he saw another force, mysteriously assembled, suddenly planted in the rear, cutting their communications by land and sea. He felt that by willing it, he was bringing the other force into existence. But it was necessary to act quickly. If they could get control of the whole of Africa, if they had airfields and submarine bases at the Cape, it would cut Oceania in two. It might mean anything. Defeat, breakdown, the redivision of the world, the destruction of the party. He drew a deep breath an extraordinarily melody of feeling, but not a medley exactly. Rather, it was a successive layers of feeling, in which one could not say which layer was undermost, struggled inside him. The spasm passed. He put the white knight back in its place, but for the moment he could not settle down to serious study of the chess problem. His thoughts wandered again, Almost unconsciously, he traced with his finger in the dust on the table. Two plus two equals... They can't get inside you, she had said. But they could get inside you. What happens to you here is forever, O'Brien had said. That was a true word. There were things, your own acts, from which you could never recover. Something was killed in your breast, burnt out, cauterized out. He'd seen her. He'd even spoken to her. There was no danger in it. He knew as though instinctively that they now took almost no interest in his doings. He could have arranged to meet her a second time if either of them had wanted to. Actually, it was by chance they'd met. It was in the park, on a vile, biting day in March, when the earth was like iron and the grass seemed dead, and there was not a bud anywhere except a few crocuses which had pushed themselves up to be dismembered by the wind. He was hurrying along with frozen hands and watering eyes when he saw her, not ten meters away from him. It struck him at once she'd changed in some ill-defined way. They almost passed each other without a sign. And then he turned and followed her. 
not very eagerly. He knew there was no danger. Nobody would take any interest in him. She did not speak. She walked obliquely away across the grass as though trying to get rid of him. Then seemed to resign herself to having him at her side. Presently they were in amongst a clump of ragged, leafless shrubs, useless either for concealment or as protection from the wind. They halted. It was vilely cold. The wind whistled through the twigs and fretted the occasional dirty-looking crocuses. He put his arm around her waist. There was no telescreen, but there must be hidden microphones. Besides, they could be seen. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. They could have lain down in the ground and done that if they wanted to. His flesh froze with horror at the thought of it. She made no response, whatever, to the clasp of his arms. She didn't even try to disengage herself. He knew now what had changed in her. Her face was swallower. There was a long scar partly hidden by her hair across the forehead and temple. But that wasn't the change. It was that her waist had grown thicker and, in a surprising way, had stiffened. He remembered that once, after the explosion of a rocket bomb, he'd helped to drag a corpse out of some ruins, and had been astonished not only by the incredible weight of the thing, but by its rigidity and awkwardness to handle, which made it seem more like stone than flesh. Her body felt like that. It occurred to him that the texture of her skin would be quite different from what it had once been. He did not attempt to kiss her, nor did they speak. As they walked back across the grass, she looked directly at him for the first time. It was only a momentary glance, full of contempt and dislike. He wondered whether it was a dislike that came purely out of the past, or whether it was inspired also by his bloated face and the water the wind kept squeezing from his eyes. They sat down on two iron chairs side by side, but not too close together. He saw that she was about to speak. She moved her clumsy shoe a few centimeters and deliberately crushed a twig. Her feet seemed to have grown broader, he noticed. I betrayed you, she said badly. I betrayed you, he said. She gave him another quick look of dislike. Sometimes, she said, they threaten you with something, something you can't stand up to or can't even think about. And then you say, don't do it to me, do it to somebody else. Do it to so-and-so. And perhaps you might pretend afterwards that it was only a trick and that you just said it to make them stop, and you didn't really mean it. But that isn't true. At the time when it happens, you do mean it. You think there's no other way of saving yourself, and you're quite ready to save yourself that way. You want it to happen to the other person. You don't give a damn what they suffer. All you care about is yourself. All you care about is yourself, he echoed. And after that, you don't feel the same towards that other person any longer. No, he said, you don't feel the same. There did not seem to be anything more to say. The wind plastered their thin overalls against their bodies. Almost at once it became embarrassing to sit there in silence. Besides, it was too cold to keep still. She said something about catching her tube and stood up to go. We must meet again, he said. Yes, she said, we must meet again. He followed irresolutely for a little distance, half a pace behind her. They did not speak. She did not actually try to shake him off, but walked at just a speed to prevent his keeping abreast of her. He'd made up his mind that he would accompany her to her as far as the tube station, but suddenly the process of trailing along in the cold seemed pointless, 
unbearable. He was overwhelmed by a desire not so much to get away from Julia as to get back to the Chestnut Tree Café, which never seemed so attractive as at this very moment. He had nostalgic visions of his corner table, with the newspaper, the chessboard, and the ever-flowing gin. Above all, it would be warm in there. The next moment, not altogether by accident, he allowed himself to become separated from her by a small knot of people. He'd made a half-hearted attempt to catch up, then slowed down, turned, and made off in the opposite direction. When he'd gone fifty meters, he looked back. Street was not crowded, but already he could not distinguish her. Any one of a dozen hurrying figures might have been her. Perhaps her thickened, stiffened body was no longer recognizable from behind. At the time when it happens, she had said, you do mean it. He had meant it. He'd not merely said it. He had wished it. He had wished that she, and not he, should be delivered over to the... Something changed in the music that trickled from the telescreen. A cracked and jeering note, a yellow note, came into it. And then perhaps it was not happening. Perhaps it was only a memory taking on the semblance of sound. A voice was singing. And that's where we'll cut it off for tonight. We'll pick it up again tomorrow night on our Friday show and uh, finish this off. We're very close to the end of 1984. And by the way, whatever we're going to read next, not sure what it is yet. We're still picking them out. Uh, possibly Animal Farm, also from uh, George Orwell. But uh, if you've got a better suggestion, please let me know. Send me an email, show at jsheldon.com, S-H-O-W, show at jsheldon.com. You can send me a chat you can send me a pm on any one of my social media accounts x formerly twitter uh, facebook wherever it might be just uh, and here on rumble too you can send us a message so check it out let us know what book you'd like us to do next and if it's in the public domain we'll be happy to consider it by all means do check out all of our great sponsors our jay sheldon show merchandise and uh, thanks so much for popping by be sure and hit that follow button it really helps the show out a lot i will see you again Tomorrow. Snort. <laughs>